Hey, family. <laughs> well, that didn't sound terribly enthusiastic. But I'm tired. My mind is tired. My body is so very tired. I've recently started playing tennis again. And, you know, people tell you, when you get older, your body's going to change. Like, you're not going to be able to do the same things. And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, I might not be able to drop it like it's hot on command without stretching first. But I should still be able to do normal things like walk up the stairs without my knees hurting. Um, And the lie detector determined that was a lie because... Playing tennis has introduced all new kinds of ailments for me, okay? Like, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. I'm going to continue with it because I have a goal in mind, and it is a great release. But I don't know. I just, like, everything, everything lately has been preaching to me because... In the same way that I'm being ailed physically because my body is growing and I'm, it is growing. Um, I'm getting older and my body is changing. Um, Spiritually, you're going to have new aches and pains as you mature in the faith. And that just comes along with the territory. And you got to stretch, you know. Um, And stretching is hard. Faith stretches you in a way that nothing else will spiritually. Uh, It challenges you. It forces you to prove, like to really put your money where your mouth is. It forces you to prove your affection and your love for the Lord um, and your trust in him. And so the main thing that I've been learning in this season is rest. And it's funny because... God has kind of been laying this on my heart for the past three years. Uh, It's like it's been levels of it. And slowly but surely, he's taking me through this process where he's teaching me that rest is a discipline that is absolutely necessary for the life of the believer. It's like you cannot, you can't do this thing without resting. We work in tandem with God. We're, We're doing a group project Okay, God is doing all the work and allowing us to take credit for it. He's allowing us to get the A because he's faithful. And, you know, sure, there is work involved, but it's so little, you know, it's just trust, obey, lean not to your own understanding and acknowledge him in all of his ways. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Obviously, these are hard disciplines, especially when we we live in a fallen world, a broken world, and we're flesh. This stuff is not easy. But at the same time, what I've learned is when I'm in a love relationship with the Lord, it, it gets easier. It gets easier to just desire to read my Bible, to desire to love people and to do good, to desire to want to walk uprightly to desire things of the spirit instead of things of the flesh. Yes, I'm still at war. Yes, there's still some very real things that I'm working through, some trauma, some some sin habits, some um, ideals that are not of God. And he's working with me. But I do long for him in a way that I've never longed for him before. I do long to be holy and to be righteous in a way that I haven't before. 
And I think that has come from the discipline, the practice of rest. And what that looks like practically is when God tells me not to do an action or an activity or a task that I really believe in my heart needs to be done, whether it's laundry or a work assignment or something for my husband or cleaning the kitchen or starting on dinner or making that phone call. And God is just like resting me, even in my prayer time. I might have a list of people that I want to pray for. And God just says, lay there and just listen to me or just sit here with me and let me love on you. Let me talk to you. Let me share what's on my heart for you. I want to hear what's on your heart, but let me share mine first. So it's just like including him in the rhythms of my life and giving him veto power and giving him like relinquishing authority to him. Rest often looks like yielding and submission and humility. Um, Finding comfort in what God is doing behind the scenes, what God is accomplishing in me the things that I can't see, what's happening under the surface, what's happening in the spiritual realm. Uh, We're just waiting for things to manifest here, which I always use the analogy of like, spiritually, God is doing so much in us. He's making all of these deposits. We're just waiting on the check to clear. So because it hasn't manifested in the spirit yet, I mean, in the physical yet, doesn't mean that it's not happening. We're just waiting for it to clear. If we pray for heaven to come down, if we pray that God's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, we will see it. But there is a matter of time that that God works in seed, time, and harvest. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard that. You plant the seed, you wait some time, and then you reap the harvest. And so it also takes a certain amount of patience to rest and a certain amount of trust to know that God has foresight. God is outside of time. He holds time in his hands. And so you might believe wholeheartedly in your mind that if you don't do something right then, then it won't get done. You have to trust that what God wants to do is more important and it's better. And what I've been finding is when I take the time to invite him into my day and into my time and into my tasks and into my mind, my spirit, he'll make time for me to do the things that I need to do. He'll work things out. He'll send somebody to come do them for me. God's so sweet. And he's just, he, I think he, what I'm learning too is he wants to awaken me to all the pleasant surprises that he wants to give me. He wants to awaken. He wants to open my eyes, take the scales off of my eyes and busyness and work It keeps us from recognizing God's hand and his workmanship. I have been learning so much about being a daughter of God through parenting Lucy. Because she's 10 months now. She's almost 11 months. And she has started to crawl and she walks with assistance now. She can pull up. So she'll pull up and like walk along alongside the couch. She'll walk in her crib and in her playpen. And she's just very active. (laughs) Um, As a matter of fact, I can't do anything when she's awake. Nothing. But sit right next to her because she does the most. And so I've, in that, I even learned that, you know, when we work, God rests. And when 
we rest, God works. And it's just, it becomes more and more real to you when you see it happening in real time. <laughs> um, and so like, yeah, resting in, in what God has given us is so profound. When I put her in her crib, sometimes she acts like sleep is a punishment. She acts like this beautiful, comfy crib um, with this awesome mattress. And her, her thread count is ridiculous. Like Lucy's bed is comfortable. It's very comfy. She acts like she's behind bars, <laughs> you know, like fighting me, fighting her sleep. When she she knows that she's tired and her body needs rest because she's growing and she's developing. She wants to fight me. And it's just like, this is me. This is me. When God makes me to lay down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters, I cry, I whine, I fight my sleep, I'm restless. I treat the provision that he's given me and the pastures that he's allowed me to enter into like their punishments, like their prisons, when really they are privilege, their favor, their oil. It's water for me. It's nourishment for me. It's rest for me. It's comfort for me. It's respite. And I don't treat it as such. You know, and it's it's wild because when Lucy is going through developmental leaps, she gets really cranky. She gets really clingy. It's almost like she regresses. It's almost like she reverts back to being like super baby-like. And she'll wake up to nurse more at night. And it's because she's she's growing. It's because her brain is developing quickly. And in that same way, like as we grow and as we're developing and as we're experiencing growing pains, it's okay for us to rest in the Father. It's okay for us to nurse more. It's okay for us to want to cling to him more. This is a sign of growth. This is not a sign of regression. Even if you feel like you're reverting, you're not. You're growing. You're growing, babe. So just be patient with yourself. You know, in moments when I want to scream, when I'm so frustrated, when she won't let me sleep, when she won't let me do anything, when she won't stop crying, you know, God's just like, babe, both of y'all are growing. You know, like give yourself grace, give her grace. Both of y'all are in this space where things are new, you know, and there's a learning curve and you got to be patient through this. And let this thing bring you guys closer. Don't let this thing push you into postpartum depression. Don't let this thing push you into thinking that you're not doing a good job or you're not a good mother or you're not cut out for this. You are grace for everything that you've been blessed with. You are grace for everything that God has put in front of you. You are grace for everything that life has thrown your way. You're grace for it. You're grace for your partner. You're grace for your family. You're grace for your career. You're grace for your enemies. You know, and... Yeah, it hurts to grow. It hurts to grow. But I want to be full grown. I don't want to stunt my growth. I don't want to stop my growth. No matter how much it hurts. You know, um, this is my last Lucy analogy. But this one, God, this one pierced me, y'all. I had set up her little foam tiles for her and like put my body pillow 
I have a C-shaped pillow for my pregnancy. And I just like put that around her. And I put all her toys in this area. And I'm just like, oh, she's comfy. Like I put Blue's Clues on the laptop. Like you're going to be Gucci. You're going to sit here and you're going to enjoy this space. So mommy can go do something else. Immediately, she wants to crawl out of the space that I've prepared for her. And right into danger. Because she don't know how to walk yet. She don't she doesn't know what things are harmful and what things are okay for her. She's just picking up whatever she can see and testing it by tasting it. Like and the confines that I've created for her, even though they're safe, like she doesn't want it. All the toys, all all the YouTube cartoons, everything here within the, within this space. But she wants to venture out. And I could not help but think about the Garden of Eden. I could not help but think about the times when God has put me in a space or in a place of protection and given me provision and wisdom and food and um, shelter and community and all these things. And I've despised the gifts that he's given me and wanted to go outside of it. Like have every other tree The tree of knowledge and good and evil is not there to tempt us. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's a picture of God's sovereignty. And it's an invitation to trust that this thing, no matter what your flesh might tell you, no matter what a serpent might tell you, is not for your good. But every other tree here is. It's been wrecking me, to say the very least. Um, So I'm, I'm saying all this to say, enjoy your life. Your circumstances might not be your idea of ideal, but they are a gift from God. Your trials are gifts. If the Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, then that means even the things that feel terrible Even the things that are actually terrible, still God's going to use those things and work them out for your good. So you can you can still count them good. You can still count it joy. Um, Work this thing. Work this thing out. Whatever God has given you. I used to say this all the time. You do not have to have a green thumb to sow a seed. Use whatever he has given you and sow, 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 because there will in due time. There will be a harvest. Read Galatians and let it just sizzle in your spirit like neck bone juice. Please. Because we can get influenced negatively by the world and the world's pessimism and negativity. And we can let it color our perspective. But like we have a place waiting for us. We have a home waiting for us. We have a prize waiting for us. We have a crown of life reserved for us. Our name is written on the ultimate list, which is the Lamb's Book of Life. This is not for nothing. This is a test. This is a trial. This is a trust. If you haven't read The Purpose Driven Life, A Purpose Driven Life, please read it. All of this is a test, fam. Like, I promise you, and you want to do well. You want to do well here. You want to take what God has entrusted to you and you want to do well. You want to steward it well. You want to sow well because it's a vapor. 
if this year has shown us anything, it's shown us that your mortality is frail and fragile. And more than leaving a mark, I want my name to be famous in heaven. I care very little about my impact here. I care about it, but much more I care about what my name means in heaven. Because that's where I'll be eternally. This is ephemeral. This is going to fade fast. But the word of God is what lasts forever. And so what I've been learning is, in my moments of restlessness, and I've had many of them, I have to anchor myself in the word. I have to remember that God is inviting me to rest at every point in my life. He's inviting me to rest. And you can work from a place of rest as well. It's how you can sit down at your computer. You're resting and you're working. There's an art to it. And it cannot be done sans Holy Spirit. Just cannot be done. You can't do it. And you need to stop trying because you're going to frustrate yourself. And what's going to happen is you're going to end up really injuring yourself too. Um, I just want to close with this. <clears throat> I have, I've been on and off social media trying to like utilize it in with wisdom and, you know, use it recreationally, but also use it to inspire people and to impact people and to connect with people and engage with people. Um, but it can, it, it can be so hard and you can so easily be sucked into the vortex. And so like, I've been trying to have a healthy relationship with it, but what I've been noticing as I've just been observing people's posts is that, um, one, everybody is very much in love with themselves. <laughs> it's kind of gross, like very vain. Um, and I'm guilty of it as well, but two, like, I can't tell if a lot of these people are believers that I follow. And some of them who I know are believers, but have absolutely no semblance of Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ, of God. Like I see no semblance of the Godhead and the Trinity and the things that they say and the things that they post. It's all very self-centered um, very self-focused, very self-involved, love yourself, free yourself, do do yoga to release yourself and um, write in your journal to know yourself and look in your mirror and, you know, like uh, travel and block. Okay. Yeah, cool. All those things, fine. Do those things. But where is the Lord in all of that? Like, where's the scripture? Where is the substance? Where is the depth? Where where are we sharpening one another? Where are we inviting one another to enter into Christ's sufferings with him? What is what is all of this self-help stuff? You know, I heard a pastor say a very long time ago and it stuck with me. There was a series that we did at the 49. Shout out to the 49. Such an amazing place. Miss it. Want to recreate it? Hit me up if you're down. Um Simplify was the name of this sermon series that we were in. And one of the pastors who was a guest said, simplifying your life is not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. That 
really revolutionized my walk. Because God doesn't want me to have low self-esteem. He just doesn't want the focal point of my life to be me, 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 me. Because me, being me focused brings on anxiety. You're never content. You're, you, people who are the most like unsettled and restless and just unfulfilled in their lives, the most depressed, the most anxious, are so consumed with themselves. So they never have peace. Instead of their eyes being to the hills, their eyes are in the mirror. And it's just like, it it destroys you. And so, yeah, we are the workmanship of God. We're made in his image. We're part of a royal priesthood. Like we have a lot to be proud of. Bible says, if any man boasts, let him boast in the Lord. So cool, yet like boast, but let it be in what God has done what God has done through you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with glorifying God. Nothing. And I think that should be our focus. That's how we make the gospel attractive, right? Like continually pointing to the Lord because he's something to 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 really just sit in wonder of and in awe of. He holds everything together. He makes everything make sense. He's the only thing worth really beholding. And when you look at him, everything else just is like, you know, everything else is just, it, it pales in comparison. But it also gives you a, a lens through which to appreciate God's everythingness because he made the skies and the planets and the trees and the birds and the butterflies and the rainbows and the, all, all the sweet, beautiful things. And he made all of us unique and beautiful. And like God has, God has so many wonderful things about his character that literally you could spend your whole life in wonder of him. And that's the point to live a life in gratitude to God, to live a life that, that people look at and they can readily identify that this was God and God alone. God did a transformative work. God did a restorative work. God did a new thing perpetually in my life. You cannot look at me and not see the hand of God. You just can't. You can't look at anything I produce and not see his hand. You can't look at anything I post and not see his hand. He, I, I, he's all that I talk about. You know, and I think about my husband and just like, okay, I'm all for, you know, protecting your relationship. And I think it's really silly when people go to Facebook and like write these crazy posts and type these subliminal tweets to people or about people who don't even know what you're talking about (laughs) or like put their relationship on blast and all this stuff. Yeah. Okay. I get it. It's, it's definitely have discretion, but you're going to know if you know me, you're going to know who I love. You're going to know who I do life with. You're going to know who's a part of me. Kel and I are becoming one. We're in the act of becoming one. You're going to know him. You're going to know how I feel about him. In the same way, and that's just my husband. So if the God that I pray to, the God that I serve, the God whose precepts I follow, the God whom I want to spend eternity with is not written all over everything that I do, everything I say and everything that I am, what am I, what am I doing? 
what am what am I doing if people don't know who I'm doing it for? Anyway. I think passion comes, you know? Passion comes with with intimacy and with depth. And so that's my desire for all of us is that the Lord will continually renew the joy of our salvation, that we would constantly be reminded of why we're doing this. And that that really only comes from meditating on his word and letting it really seep into every part of your being, his goodness, his mercy, his great restraint, his great love, his great sacrifice, his omnipotence, like his, like I said before, his everythingness, just really pondering it. And it makes you feel good. <laughs> it makes you feel loved. It humbles you. It it settles you. It It gives you so much perspective, so much peace, so much power. And I've just found in my life, when I have those three components, I'm really invincible, honestly. it's It takes a lot to take me out. <laughs> and when I do get taken out, I, I come back fighting even harder. Um, I put the devil in his place real quick. I'll be walking around this house speaking in tongues, telling him where to go and what to do speaking the promises of God over my life, anointing my house with oil, anointing my head with oil on my face, like with my prayer shawl, doing the mo- like devil. Now, you know, <laughs> you can't be coming in here like that. <laughs> so get aggressive. When the kingdom suffers violence, the violent take it by force. Look, it's some stuff that we need to be praying actively for. Look at the state of our government if you live in the U.S. Like, human trafficking, this Netflix trash, like, all, there's so many things. There's so many things. There's so many things. And we have to be praying actively, and we have to live clean. So, I love you guys so much. Please send me your prayer requests. Those of you who have been sowing financially into me because you've been blessed by this podcast. Y'all don't even understand how on time those blessings and those gifts are. And my prayer for you is that any amount, any dollar amount that you sow, any prayer that you pray, that God would give it right back to you tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold, a hundred thousandfold and bless you because I can, I've been floored by, um, just your gifts and and your love and your support. So please continue to share this with whoever you think will be blessed by it. If you feel inclined to sell, please do that. My cash app is Mitch and Gunner. You can um, use PayPal, Mitch and Gunner at gmail.com. All those things are, are linked um, in the description of this episode, but in every episode, but thank you so much. Um, I'm with you. I'm praying with you. We gonna get through this year. Just hold it down. Hold, keep holding. He's coming back. Repent. Um, and wash your hands. And wear your mask. I love you guys so much. Bye.